Hello, everyone. I'm Darian Gold, and welcome to All Things Pilates Season 5. There is a collective fascination with Joe Pilates, his method and inventions. The exercise paradigm continues to evolve, as does our understanding of Joe's genius. So join us, because we know there is always more to explore. With us today is first-generation Pilates teacher, Anna Schaefer. Just shy of 90, Anna is a prime example of the power and effectiveness of the Pilates method. Anna spent nearly 16 years learning Pilates from the inventor himself, and she practices to this day what he taught her. One day at the Contrology studio, Anna, while waiting for her session, noticed an unusual device on the floor. Curious in nature, Anna picked up this device she later learned was called the headpiece or headgear and began experimenting with it. Joe, after observing Anna playing around with the device a number of times, asked if he could film her as he wanted to use the device in his teachings. Due to her ballet training, she demonstrated intricate ballet steps. And Joe's comment to Anna was that he had never seen anyone do what she was able to do with the piece. As Anna says, proper posture or proper body alignment as Joe reminded her throughout her studies, gives you confidence and elegance, both physically and psychologically. Hello, Anna. Nice to have you on the show again. Thank you, Darren. It's an honor to be here. Anna, you were a professional dancer and spent decades in ballet class. What was it about Joe's teachings that resonated with you the most? And did you ever have a ballet injury? Did you come to him because you had an injury? How did that play out? No, I started with Joe because Dorothy Alexander, the director of the Atlanta Ballet, which I was a member of, uh, had recommended Joe. And I called her because I was constantly told that I had a weak back. And no one was telling me what to do for it. And when I called Miss Dorothy, she said, go to Joe. So Joe realigned me. I was very sway back. And he placed my spine in a much, much more correct position. And gave me the strength in the upper body that I was lacking. Ballet dancers have strength in their feet and their ankles and their thighs and hips. But we do porta bras, which doesn't give us a lot of. Can you explain what a porta bra is for people who don't know anything? Porta bra is when you use your arms. Anytime you see the ballet dancer moving her arms up, down, sideways, whatever, that is called a porta bra with arms. And the reformer certainly aligned me beautifully, but the core work was a part of that as well. The headgear that you mentioned earlier was a instrument that I was curious about. I had not seen anyone with it on. When I picked it up, I saw what it was all about, meaning the uh, placement on the head with the sandbags. And so I started 
messing around with it. Yes. <laughs> and walking. And uh, then I thought, oh, hmm, maybe I can do some ballet in it. And I did an arabesque. Oh, well, that was successful. Now maybe I can do a planche and so forth and so on. And after about the second time, this is when Joe, you know, really, I was conscious that he was observing me with it and asked me if he could film me. And I said, of course, if I had not had the previous training with him and developed my core, developed my body placement, I would not have been able to do this. It's not just something, you know, when we were kids, we were, you know, conscious of posture, we put a book on our head. And this is similar to that idea. But the work that has to be done in the entire body, not just with this, I'd hate to see and I know some people have talked about uh, teaching this, and I and I it, it scares me literally because if you don't have control of your body, if you don't know where the placement is, you can get hurt. And the especially if your if your neck is not um, strong, I think what scares me more than anything else in today's world in Pilates, the teachers that do not understand what it's all about. And this is something that, you know, a little more study, even reading his book, what have you, but really investigating uh, into what his work is all about. You know, we are born, some of us with sway back, some of us with uh, scoliosis, where you eventually develop that, uh, of which I've learned that you can develop it at any age from puberty on, yes. And so if we know you know, I have always mentioned in teaching of ballet and teaching the students about body, the body placement. And, and I illustrate it in a very simple way. I say, look at that column in the room. That column is holding up the roof. And therefore, if that column starts bending, the roof comes down. And so I've always used that analogy, which is a very... Oh, that's a that's effective, Anna. It is very effective. So because people like, especially children, they learn best with pictures in their mind. And so you're creating uh, the picture in your mind of what would happen if the column came down. The same thing if your body is not strong and you, you don't have control over many things in your life. I mean, we need a strong body. So anyway, Joe uh, saw it and... I'm sorry now that I, I uh, didn't have someone else come into uh, the studio with us so that I could take a, pic- a picture of Joe and Clara and myself together. But I have Clara, so that is delightful in the film. Who had better hands, Clara or Joe? A better hand? I say, I always say when people have a similar question to that, Darian, that it doesn't make any difference. It is what they gave us. It is their legacy to us. So, okay, okay. So wait. So when you when Joe would have his hands on you to let's say facilitate a taller spine, and Clara would do something similar, maybe on another piece of equipment. Did they touch you the same way? It was a fundamental reason of correcting that spine, and so consequently, whatever phraseology that they use or the placement certainly was correct on either one of them because it is, is the same. And But the uh, phraseology might be a little bit different that they use. Uh, Joe's, <laughs> his phraseology was mostly five more times. 
<laughs> and of course, Claire wouldn't let you get by with anything either. And if it was a big five, but she had a little bit more gentle manner. Uh, I think that they, you know, the inventor taught the assistant or his wife perfectly, and they both understood. And it just, I think people get bogged up in the um, manner in which it's presented. And I think that they've got to forget all that. And I've, I've heard also that people are now arguing um, about who who is the better or who they are better than so-and-so else who's teaching. And, you know, there's good, bad, and indifferent. We don't want the indifferent. We certainly don't want the bad. But, it, it you know, I don't know. I don't have that kind of mentality. I saw this with ballet teachers as well that you know they're always competing with someone else and they were always trying to convince their students they were the best i took my students to every other studio in baltimore and certainly to new york and to the different studios so they could become the best you gain by having an open mind you close your mind when you cannot see around your own persona that should be on a t-shirt you should get that on a T-shirt and wear it because that is definitely permeating throughout our industry, don't you think? Not only our industry, but the world of the younger generation, very definitely. Yes, it is. And I think that egos are wonderful. You don't succeed with having a, a certain amount of uh, ego. Uh, and, you know, some people with high egos, uh, you want to kill them, but they do things, they create things, they make things. That That's true. Yes. And if we, if we learn to accept that everyone has their own capability and not try to compete with every... We all have something different to offer. We all have something different. And, you know, I used to say also, particularly in ballet, because um, I've trained children for many years. One day you're going to go somewhere else to another teacher, and they're just going to phrase a correction that I have been saying verbally one way, and they have said it another way, and then all of a sudden it clicks in. That's happened to me. That's happened to my students. And I want them to go forward and learn from others because you can gain something from everyone, knowing truly, as you said. Well, how do you pass on that philosophy? Anna, to other teachers, second generation and down, how do you, how do you impart and embody that way of thinking and feeling about the work? I would think that to get more involved in Joe's knowledge and to concentrate on how it is affecting and how it's helping you and put that as the emphasis. And yes, we all have our own personalities. And I think that we get caught up in our own personalities too much. I really do. I agree 100%. It's hard. It's hard to, to have someone accept what is reality when they are programmed to think self. Yes, 100%. And I, I'd like to go back to what you mentioned about becoming more involved in Joe's thinking, his methodology, the actual 
he never called it repertoire. That's so dancey. What did he call his, just a system, a contrology system? Is that how he referred to his work? Yes, it is. And never trying to explain it any other way or use other words for it. And contrology, yes. And I don't think that word, I think that word's coming back in, into the realm of conversation. I think for a long time it was kind of long. Yes, but what's the motivation behind that? Correctness. <laughs> really, and um, and also the mind's uh, contrology is hopefully coming back a little bit too, because that too was not emphasized for many many years, and it is a concentration. I, a perfect example. I teach only adults now on uh, math classes and some reformer work, and I had one. Uh, you know, you always have one person in the class that's the class clown, <laughs> yes. high school and things. And, you know, laughter is magnificent. It cures things. But when it's constantly brought forth, because this person, for whatever their ego lacks, uh, has to interrupt every little thing. Well, finally, she stopped the class. The class is not as funny, not as amusing, but everyone is improving more. And that's just recently, people I teach recently. And it is, you know, mind. You have to concentrate on what you're doing. You can't, you know, burst forth and make something funny out of every little thing. If you do, you're wasting your time and my time. I feel the same when people are blaring music. It's such a distraction from quieting down and going inside because this work requires you to go inside. There are nuances in the body you can't really tap into if you are distracted. No. And Joe never had any music, and it, you know, at all. And I've heard a lot of these uh, um, music. And we're so used to music today. I mean, every class and every gym has music, and certainly with the Zumba and things like that. Yes, I agree with you. I think music blasting is, is a an infraction on our psyche and our ears, very definitely, very definitely. And so then you're thinking more, and certainly you don't want vocal music when you're doing uh, Pilates, because then you're singing with them, even though you may not uh, voice it, but inside. And so it's a concentration. People really have problems with concentrating. Oh, yes. I have a question about when Joe was working with you, more Joe than, than Clara, did he emphasize the spine and the neck. So we're talking that whole idea, what I mentioned in the opening about posture. Did he emphasize always the position of the spine? He didn't really emphasize. He showed you, he did it, and then you continued it. And as far as, you know, like a, a, a teacher standing up and, and teaching you verbally and what have you, he didn't. He just would show it or Clara, and, you know, he expected you to understand when he explained it once, maybe twice. He might have to remind you on another time. But once he gave you the knowledge, and if definitely, if you were doing it incorrectly, he would warn you, definitely. But once you got the knowledge, then you were expected, in my time with Joe and Clara both, 
that you and it was it was just observing us to make certain we did do it correctly. And as far as teaching verbally, he did it physically. Yes, I had that experience with Romana. I was curious like you, and I had a lot of questions that she didn't necessarily know how to answer or wasn't interested, but she would just explain it by putting me in the right position. And then it was up to me to figure it out, which I always did. She didn't say, okay, now go off on your own and make it your own. She didn't say it like that. But I I recognized that I had to find my own vocabulary inside before I could even pass it on to my students. So she taught probably very, very close to how Joe taught. Yes. And I think that the muscles learn once you're shown it and observed to make certain that you're doing it, then the muscles take in and they know what to do. Now, again, if you're doing something incorrectly, then yes, the correction is needed. In my opinion, Joe was a very shy person. And Clara was not as shy, but yet she wasn't overtly either in conversation. In fact, there was very little conversation in the in the studio. But that was on purpose also, because if you converse... You're out of the work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And your mind is now on something else. And also the fact that, well, um, you don't want to get to the point where you're going to do something else or what you're going to do after your session, because there again, you're interrupting uh, your true learning ability. Muscles are smart. They remember. Uh, and um, you better learn it correctly to the first time. because And I have gone through this, not with Joe's work, not his work, but in some ballet. It's harder to undo and then yes. relearn the other way. That's the hardest thing in the world. To do. Yes. Once it's imprinted, how do you get that print off you? <laughs> right. I know people, uh, again, reverting to ballet, the layperson says, oh, how can you remember all that? And we have the muscles that already know it. And it's like years go by and, and you can remember choreography. You may not be able to do it as well, but the mem- and it's muscle memory, exactly. Would you say that you still have the muscle memory that you had decades ago, that just because you're you're close to 90 now, it hasn't necessarily impacted that ability in your mind. The I think it comes it's twofold. Uh, it's the muscles automatic. Now my muscles are not in the shape that I was back when I was 16, 28, 38, whatever. So they're not capable. They get angry. I know even in 50, 60 year old that I was 15, 60. Thanks for saying I'm 90. (laughs) (laughs) And you look fabulous. (laughs) Thank you. But I get, you know, you go back to a class. You can't do it because the muscles have not been doing it for a very long time. And that is the thing that, that a person gets so angry. I once saw myself, I guess I was 55, taking a um, a class. So I thought, oh, I can do this. And the class was filmed. And when I saw the film afterwards, it's, oh, you gods. <laughs> and how, how could I have, you know, but 
this is this is true. This is true with most anything. I mean, I'm uh, I wish it weren't so, but it is so. You work with older students, correct? Yes. What's the youngest? What's the oldest? Well, um, right now it's sixties to seventies, just beginning sixty, maybe fifty-nine, so forth. But for five years, I taught uh, uh, in an assisted living facility, and so I, I always said, "I'm older than you are, ladies and gentlemen." In some cases, I was, but the older person, and I'm there. So I not only have the knowledge, but I have the physical body and going through the changes that my body is doing through progress of born, live, going, gearing down and dying. You don't like to think about that. But there's so many things that we do where the muscles just, if they, if you don't work them, they go to sleep. They don't like to be awakened. They really don't. And then as you older, you get, oh, well, that hurts. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not going back to class and that kind of thing. And it is a discipline. It's a mental discipline that you have to force yourself to do. Once you get out of the habit when you're past, you know, 60 or maybe even younger, it's harder to get back into that habit too. It's the physical ability that you have to get up and get going and get to the studio and well, how do you motivate those type of students? It's difficult. Being in a class is very helpful because now you're going to see some friends and they're and you're all in the same boat. So this is, is very, very good. Again, self-discipline is very, very important. That's with anything and everything. But to motivate them, you've got to be, a, you have to give a good class. You have to be aware of what you're doing. And so that they feel rewarded, not hurt and pain. I, I mean, so many classes, not necessary Pilates classes, but they come out and they're in pain. And you come out of Joe's work and you feel the muscles are a little you know, stronger, but they yes. don't hurt you. You feel the difference. I always say, you know, if a class is on, on a, a Thursday, I'll say, well, tomorrow you're going to feel it. And on Saturday, you're going to feel it a little bit more. Just don't use my name in vain when you feel it. <laughs> and so, so I make a promise that. Yes. You have. I mean, some people immediately get motivated because they can feel the difference. And others, and certainly others, you know, there's, unfortunately, there are many people, especially older people, that are, uh, they could drop 20 pounds. And that extra 20 pounds makes it harder for them to do things. And once they become aware of this is good, then they want to continue. I mean, I the group I'm teaching now, I've taught for 10 years. And so they are motivated. And then, you know, the, your personality and, and what have you. And um, it's hard. It really is. I mean, going in, I knew people coming in all the time. And, and after the first, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, some people will come back in the second, third fourth time, then they're, then they're going to come repeatedly. But it's getting that, you know, person motivated the first time is hard. Do you include props? I have a ball, you know, a small ball that we use. I also use the stretch bands. I simulate the reformer with the stretch bands very successfully. And those are the only two props that I have. 
I will put some music on just for warm up. And I always make certain that it's low. Yeah. And that it's short fan so that when it ends, we don't pay any attention to whether it's on or not. And or the, the students do. But no, I don't have, um, I don't use, especially the ring, which I. The magic circle? Yes. I am totally opposed to that. Oh, say more. You're, oppo- you're opposed to the magic circle. Wow. I'm very it when particularly when you put it between your knees your knees are going into each other so you're turning everything in instead of you know keeping alignment yeah i i have my i have my quirks <laughs> my dislike did you ever use that in joe's studio studios. oh you never saw the magic circle in joe's studio i did when i started te- uh, taking students uh, to joe when uh after the 60s Oh, well, let's see. He may not even been alive at the time when I when the matched women I saw in his studio. He never he never introduced it to me at all. That's interesting. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it I mean to me it, it just and I'm sure and it's so heavy. And again, upper power is the dancer doesn't really have the power in the shoulders and things like that. And to press that together. Now I can see we're lifting it up over the arms and things is beneficial. But no, that that is one thing I um, oppose completely. You can simulate what is happening, let's say, on the Wanda chair. You can use the magic circle if you have you don't have apparatus, or let's say you don't even have the therabands, but you just don't like the premise. I don't like the premise. There again, I think that in this day and uh, an age, when people walk into your class, you don't know their background, you don't know, and you know, we don't have a beginning class every cl- uh, every week for new people coming in. And so they have to pick up. And so you don't know their strengths. You don't know what they can do. And to put something in their hands that are, you know, very strong. The, the uh, bands, you can have different weights of the bands. Okay, that's do. a good point. And the ball, we just use a little ball. And, and I teach not to press the knees. We press with the thighs. And and this is what you want to you know press with. So again, it, it's it's um, the way you you process the learning. You create that action with the with the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it and so it, it just and it, it you know it, it, it's something. It's my quirk. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a quirk. It's just you prefer not to use it. It's I think it's interesting that it wasn't really lying around at Joe's studio. No, and you know, I don't know. I remember the first time I saw it was on television, and it was a a television actress that introduced it. Can't remember her her name right now. And anyway, and that and she had commercials about this, and uh, that's the first time I ever remember seeing it. That's got to be in the sixties. And when Joe died, when did he die? Sixty-seven. No, sixty-seven. So I may have seen it after. Okay, I think a lot of people don't know that. One more question about Joe. Uh Well, I have many questions, but for this interview, Joe obviously left an indelible impression on you. And I'm assuming that you have different kinds of memories about working with him, things that might, he might've said to you that he didn't say to anybody else, any pearls that you 
have held close to your heart that you just have and you share when it's time to share with your students? I think basically and most important is the placement of the body, the correct placement. I think that, yes. And as I said earlier, is that he didn't converse much. His eyes were always there. He might have gone over to another person uh, at the moment, but his eyes is st are still looking at you. And also the ability to co to concentrate on what you're doing. That was the most important thing. Though you have to, as a dancer, you have to concentrate, yes. But this was more extreme. And finding for yourself how to interpret and how to work and how to feel. And I, I mean, I know every second when I'm on my reformer at home here, that whether those legs are in alignment under your shoulders. And I can feel that. And that was a lifelong teaching. As he said, the first time I saw him, he would change my life forever. And thank God, I thank God every day for it. Because even though I have some arthritis in my back now, I get on a, I exercise a program and I do it at least four times a week. And it's interesting, I, I did take some physical therapy uh, for the back and almost everything they're showing me, Joe should. <laughs> and uh, I did find one new one in the physical therapist. And I seeked the physical therapists who were totally knowledgeable. And it was such a pleasure to go in. And I had known this man. He actually had facilities in the gym I was teaching at, at one time, but left that gym for his own place a good number of years ago. But to talk to somebody who understands and talks the same breath you do, it's so refreshing. And, and it's just, um, it's a joy. I think observation with Joe also was very, very important because you could watch him correct someone yes, else and understand. Absolutely. What it, exactly what was going on. And, and it's, and again, the love that Joe gave me to be physically correct and on balance all my life. I mean, you know, thank you. I'll be 89, almost 90. Yes. <laughs> I am actually six years older than Joe was when he died. And he always wanted to be, live to be a hundred. hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he didn't make it. And it, I guess it's cigars he used to smoke. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I love, though, what he said to you. That also should be on a plaque when people first come in to work with you. Joe's quote, he, when you first saw him or when he first saw you, you just stepped over the threshold at the Contrology studio. And he basically took one look at you and said... And he would change my life forever. He would change your life forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he did. And he did say that several times in the years that, you know, I trained. And of course, when uh, I would bring students to him and I started taking uh, students to me, to him when 1961. And of course, he died sh um, shortly after that. Yeah. Six, no, no, no. Six years later. No. no. And uh, but I did all, all the students that I knew would be uh, helped tremendously. 
and it's it's interesting um the way you know we're, we're built basically the same but the way we have our own certain inadequacies and, and what have you and um he loved uh you know he was i think he's more chatty with me when i bring students in and introduce them um but i did every year i'd go to new york and and it'd be one or two maybe even three that i'd take over there i have uh, one of my final questions do you have any advice for Pilates teachers today who are either just entering the field or have been around for 10 years or 20 years? What do you think Joe would say? What would his advice be? Well, one of the things, and I'm going to be brutal on this, uh, Darian, one of the things that I think I may have mentioned on the first interview that uh, one of the networks, NBC, CBS, ABC, I don't remember which one. But he was ready to sign the contract and they were going to put him on the air. At the last moment, he did not sign that contract because he knew that he would be prostituted. He is prostituted today. Those who are really there for the proper training, but you mentioned the young people coming in. Don't be content with getting your certification from an online course. Go further with it. Go into various different Pilates for you. Take Pilates. Take the classes. I know someone um, in our gym that uh, was going to start teaching Pilates took one class from me. And she could have taken 10 years from me without charge because she was part of a teacher in the gym. And I knew her training was very poor. To do nothing about that. Don't stop learning. Read everything you can. Go in and observe every single teacher that you can possibly observe. Just see. One of the best trainings that you can have is to observe people who aren't doing it correctly. And that's your best teacher. Don't be afraid to take that class that you have some, because then you can find out what they're not doing to make you better. So it's understanding and be committed. Another thing with, with teachers today, they'll teach four or five classes a day, five or six days a week. You have to step back and catch your breath. And Joe said, no, you come every other day. You don't come every day. And, of course, you knew of classes of ballet and what have you. So you really have to step back and think about it and let your body relax a little bit. Um, I think you um, made a comment to me before that, oh, I can, I can rest now. <laughs> that came up in a physical therapy that I had a few weeks ago. And he said, all right, now rest for 30 seconds. And then I started doing the other side and said, well, that was only 16 seconds rest. <laughs> and I immediately thought of your comment, too, <laughs> because number one, dancers don't know how to rest. I mean, that, that's not my vocabulary. But to be a teacher, really, really investigate. Don't be content with the certificate. Investigate and learn just through your investigation. Don't stop. Always go on. I mean, I, I see Pilates studios every state that I go to. And uh, whether I visit them for a week, a month, what have you. And that is very important. Now, this is all 
Wonderful, wonderful advice, Anna. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And I'm so glad you're still carrying the torch and being true to Joe's vision. It's your vision. I feel like it's my vision. And you just keep doing what you're doing. If people want to reach out to you, how do they? Yes. Uh, my email is a w o o l l ey34 at aol.com and mention that you're interested in plugs because I'll delete so many things. You know, we get thousands of emails. Oh, so in the subject line. Yes. And yes, I would love to talk to people, give them what I have experienced as much as I can. And I, you know, probably I'll go into another world while I'm on the reformer. Yes. Darian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank and you. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. All Things Pilates is produced, written, edited, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. This season, we have all original music by AKA Johnny. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, you have the opportunity to support it for as little as $3 a month. You'll see the link in the show notes and just know that every dollar helps me continue to bring you the most interesting guests in the Pilates community. Joe Pilates gifted us with a very adaptable and nimble method. As his work passes from one generation to the next, the Contrology system continues to change and evolve but learning his original methodology is a valuable and critical resource. Many of us have a profession in wellness and fitness because of him. Thanks so much for tuning in and meet you here next week for our last show of the season, our 2023 season highlight show. 